I want to make just a few comments before we get into the message for today. A few comments about the gospel reading on page 10. If you take a kind of a quick look at that, you'll notice there are words that are bold-faced, all right? And those bold-faced words are commands. They are imperative verbs. And there are 16 of them. So our Lord gives us a lot of commands in a relatively brief gospel reading. That's point number one. Uh, Secondly, take a look at verse 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Now, this does not mean that we should refrain from discerning what is wrong from what is right. This doesn't mean that we should fail to distinguish good from evil. Uh, Scripture encourages us, commands us to do that very thing and that very thing we must do. For example, sex outside of the marriage bond is sin. The Bible makes that very clear. Or uh, marriage is between one man and one woman for life. Scripture makes that very clear. These are not unforgivable sins, mind you, but we're called to speak the truth and I say that not in contradiction to the text, but in support of it, because the judgments that we speak are God's judgments, not our own. I'm not given authority to command you anything that's not in the Bible. We speak where God speaks, and where he's silent, we must be silent. There we don't judge. There we don't condemn. But where God has spoken a word of judgment or condemnation, we're called to speak the truth, but to speak it in love, not to hurl it as a weapon, but to speak it humbly, knowing that we must remove the beam from our own eye before we can see clearly to remove the speck from our brothers. So don't be confused by the text. Jesus is not saying that we should fail to distinguish wrong from right, good from evil. No, we must do that but we do it speaking God's words and God's words alone, not our own. And and finally, notice the end of verse 37, forgive and you will be forgiven. Now that is not a warning, all right? Don't take it that way. It's not meant that way in this passage. There are warnings about forgiveness. You know, for example, uh, Matthew 6, verse 15, uh, Jesus, after he teaches the Lord's Prayer, he says, for if you do not forgive men their transgressions, neither will my Father in heaven forgive your transgressions. Now that's a warning, all right, but that's not what's going on here. You know, certainly if if we receive forgiveness from God, we're obligated to share it with others. God's gift doesn't end with us. We are to pass it on. As we've received it freely, we give it freely. That's God's will. Anything less than that is hypocrisy. And God will not support hypocrisy. He will not tolerate that in his children. But verse 37 is not a warning. It is rather a gracious promise. It is a comforting promise that whatever you give to others, God will give back to you in spades. That's what the text is saying. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. Now, if you're like me, when, when you hear that, 
you think, well, wait a minute now, Pastor. I thought we've already been forgiven all of our sins. I was forgiven all my sins already in baptism. I was forgiven all my sins when I first believed, or something like that, you see. That's biblical. And that's true. And so we may think, well, how many times do I need to hear that God forgives me? He's already done it. But that's not the question. The question is not how many times does God need to forgive you. The question really is how many times do you need to be reminded that he's forgiven you? That's the real issue. Because our faith is weak. And we begin to see ourselves other than how God sees us. We tend to disbelieve our forgiveness and our standing before God because we're reminded of our sins all too often. Our conscience points the finger at you, it points the finger at me. And we cannot hear enough that good news that we are indeed forgiven even now. We are forgiven. We hear it in the absolution every Lord's Day. We hear it in the sermon, hopefully. We hear it in the Lord's Supper again and again every week. We can't be reminded often enough that we are his forgiven people because our faith is weak and we will begin to doubt those things. So this is a gracious promise that if you ever doubt your forgiveness, remember how you have forgiven others and you claim this promise. You are among the forgiven then, you see. Know that, believe that, and cling to the promise. We bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So, I want you to complete the following sentence for me. Complete this sentence. For every action, there is an equal and opposite Reaction, very good. You are familiar with Newton's third law of motion. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. For example, if I throw a ball down toward the floor, I'm applying force to that ball. Now, gravity is applying some force too, but I'm applying my own force to the ball. And when the ball hits the floor, the floor reacts to the ball, it really does. It applies a force that is equal to the force I've applied to the ball, and that causes the ball to rise from the floor, you see. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. When you sit in a chair or when you sit in a pew, you're living out Newton's third law of motion. <laughs> you're applying a force downward onto the chair and the chair reacts to you. <laughs> it applies an equal and opposite force toward you, and that's what holds you up. Or if you're standing uh, uh, around somewhere and there's no chair nearby and you're getting tired of being on your feet and you lean against a wall, you are applying force to the wall. And the wall is applying an equal and opposite force upon you. That's what causes the wall to hold you up. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Now that's physics. And our word physics is from the Greek word physike, which means the study of nature. The study of nature. Physike. Newton's third law of motion is found throughout nature. 
and it is also true of human nature. Roman numeral one on page 11 in your sermon outline, it is our nature to react. It is our nature to react. Have you ever noticed that when someone smiles at you, you sort of just smile back? You may not think about that, but you do. Letter A, a reaction is something done impulsively without thinking. It's the same with frowning. Frowning is contagious. If someone's frowning at you, you tend to frown back. <laughs> you give what you get, right? We react. And, and you know, it's true that have you ever felt this way? I mean, I have felt this way a lot, that my reaction to something or someone is worse than the offense. <laughs> it's worse than the offense. Very often, anyway. Or maybe you're not like me. Point number one, our behavior should not be determined by our enemies. Our lifestyle should not be dictated by the ungodly. Our actions should not be prompted by whatever they do or by the weather. Point number two, our behavior should not be determined by our friends. That's reciprocity. Our love must not be limited to those who love us. That's not righteousness. Our care and concern should not be limited to those who might care and have concern for us. That's not righteousness. Point number three, all of this is what sinners do. Verse 32, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. It just comes naturally. They, they react that way. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, that's not righteousness. What credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. We fall short. All have sinned and fall short of the righteousness of God, right? The glory of it, we fall short. Giving as good as you get falls short of what God demands. So letter B, our behavior should be determined by God's behavior. By God's behavior. By God's behavior toward us. So it's our nature to react. Roman numeral two, it is God's nature to respond to respond. Letter A, a response is something done thoughtfully. It's done thoughtfully, it's done intentionally. It's how God is. Return to the Lord your God. We'll hear this next uh, Wednesday of next week, Ash Wednesday. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger. Now that's being thoughtful. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God responds. 
letter B. So whom do the 16 commands, the 16 imperative verb forms, in verses 27 to 38 best describe? They describe Jesus, don't they? This is how God is toward you and toward me. When you look at those bold-faced words, you understand God in the way he desires to be known. When we were enemies of God, he loved us. St. Paul writes, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his own son. Now that's a response, a loving response. When we cursed Jesus, he blessed us. When he was abused by us, he prayed for those who abused him. That's the Lord. Roman numeral three, God's response to us creates our response to others. It creates our response. It forms, it enables our response to those around us. In light of God's love for me, I cannot be unloving toward my neighbor unless I forget about God's love. That's that's what it takes to be unloving. I I have to wipe from my memory any recollection of his love for me. Letter A, whatever Jesus asks of you, he has first done for you. That's Christ. Think of those 18 command or those 16 commands. Whatever he asks of you, he has first done for you. Letter B, all people know God as judge, and that's probably the most common image people have of, of God is a judge sitting at the bench, rendering decisions, judgments about us. All people know God as judge, but we've experienced God in the person of Jesus Christ as the judge who forgives. The judge who pronounces the guilty to be innocent and who takes the guiltiness of the guilty into himself. That's the God of Holy Scripture. That's the God who's called you here today to remind you of that so that you can leave here and do likewise and live likewise. Letter C, we who know God as giver and forgiver, we who know him as giver and forgiver are able to give to forgive and not condemn. And letter D, we are not passive victims. We are not victims, but we are active representatives and revealers of God in the most dramatic way possible in real time. We reveal God to others when we respond rather than react. Verse 35. But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, a comforting promise, 
and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. My friends, this is not victimology. This is godly leadership. It is living beyond nature. It's living supernaturally. When we respond in this way, we show people who God is. We enact him. Now, my sinful nature wants me to react to what other people do and what they say. That's my old nature, and it's your old nature as well. That is human nature. But my new nature in Christ and your new nature in Christ calls us to respond thoughtfully and lovingly to what others do and say, just as God does. That is living beyond nature. That is living supernaturally. That is living in a way that reveals Christ to others in your life, those others in your life who at this very moment need Christ the most. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.